Welcome back, listener, to Discussing Marvel, a casual fan podcast. I am your host, Irving, along with... Your other host, Eddie. So, Irving, what are we discussing this time? This time, we are discussing 2005's Fantastic Four, starring Ione Griffith as Reed Richards, Jessica Alba as Sue Storm, Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, Michael Chiklis as Ben Grimm, and Julian McMahon as Victor Von Doom. And the official synopsis of the movie is, Transformed into superheroes after surviving a disaster in space, the Fantastic Four struggle to reconcile their powers, responsibilities, and relationships as a dysfunctional family. Overcoming their personal conflicts, they finally join forces to defeat Dr. Doom, the malevolent, metallic embodiment of their treacherous former patron. So, Eddie, what are your memories of this film? I actually remember when this came out in theaters because I started working at the theater two months before this movie came out. So I remember it being busy and I was surprised how busy it was. And it led into a sequel, which was also surprising. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they signed a three-picture contract, so I guess the surprising part is that there was no three. (laughs) So, yeah. Nothing. I just remember being busy. I remember watching it. Um, And that's pretty much it. Nothing loud. (laughs) What about you? So when I was getting ready for the rewatch, my husband Jeff asked if I remember or if I had seen this movie. And I was like, yeah, I remember going to the theater and watching this, but I don't remember very much of it. It turns out I remembered everything. It's just that there's nothing in this movie. Yeah. Like the synopsis is literally a recap of the entire film. (laughs) Yes. So it turns out that I did remember everything, but there wasn't really anything to remember. I think I remember more from the second movie than I do from the first one. And I think that one also doesn't have much. I'm glad that we watched it, but man, it was, I don't know. I didn't understand why it was so long. It was an hour and 45 (laughs) minutes. And I feel like this could have been the first 15 minutes of the film. This whole film could have been the first 15 minutes of a film. Yes. Imagine if it was two and a half hours like nowadays Marvel movies are. I mean, (laughs) yeah, no. I miss miss 90-minute movies, a clean 90 minutes. I don't understand the obsession with everything being over two hours. If Multiverse of Madness is going to be three hours, I'm going to need an intermission at this point. (laughs) Yes. Because if it's going to be, if it's going to be scary, I'm going to pee my pants over there, Eddie. And I don't want to embarrass you. (laughs) Wear a wetsuit. Oh my God, maybe, yeah. I'll wear a wetsuit. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the point in the episode where we give a spoiler warning 
for a movie that basically had the whole plot in the synopsis. And with that, let's take it from the top. So, Eddie, you can definitely tell that there was a different pace to this film compared to how movies are done now. And I just felt like at this point, we already had Spider-Man and X-Men. But this movie just felt like it, like the, like the other movies never existed because it felt like this is the kind of movie you make before you see how to do other ensemble hero films yeah it just felt like like i said it didn't need to be an hour and 45 minutes and i didn't really care for any of the characters like i didn't care for none of them and i think that's bad yeah there was definitely no stake yeah no stake no character development at all we didn't get um we didn't get any real growth in them other than them accepting themselves for who they are and being superheroes. But other than that, I felt like this whole movie, like you said, could have been a 30-minute special and we would have gotten to the same spot <laughs> no yeah i mean let's get, i mean let's get down to just the individual characters so we have reed richards and all i know is that i mean i'll give him this they cast i think the casting is pretty good i mean they're all hot they're all very attractive which is a big plus for a superhero film like all of them including the thing the thing can get it okay <laughs> so let's start off with Mr. Fantastic. So all I know of him is that he's extremely attractive and he's really smart and he doesn't know how to talk to women. Mm-hmm. And somehow he ended up dating someone that looks like Jessica Alba. Yeah. And I was just like, give me more. You're supposed to be really smart, but like, give me more. Mm-hmm. Because even his smartness was constantly being reevaluated by someone else. Like, so yeah. was he really that smart? Yeah, I felt like they were trying to downplay him to make other characters at the same level as him. Uh, same thing with Victor Von Doom, because he is a multi-billion billionaire company who who is also smart so i feel like they downplayed his smartness and even his like dorkiness like yeah he was neither yeah. he wasn't <laughs> he was yeah like i mean obviously this is 2005 but if we look at someone like peter parker who is a dork and he's really smart and he has trouble talking to people. I love that. It's cute. It's adorable. It's relatable. This guy, I was just like, how can someone this smart be so dumb? <laughs> yeah. So to know that he's supposed to be the leader of this team, 
I just wasn't really buying it because they really didn't give him anything. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like you said, for him to be the leader of the Fantastic Four, I felt like other characters outshined his or outshined in their performance because he didn't give anything or the script didn't give anything. I feel like there was too many characters and not enough character development to help Reed Richards. Yeah. And like I said, we had the X-Men at this point. And I mean, even with that one, you kind of had a little bit of, okay, where are these characters going? Maybe it's because we kind of knew who these characters were with the X-Men because we saw the animated series. So all this critique is coming from non-comic book readers, which is, at the end of the day, it's a huge market. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, non-comic book readers are a big market for these films. So the challenge is always going to be, how do you give nods and references to the comic book readers, but also how do you write a story that could be understood by the people that are not comic book readers. Because at the end of the day, the film is supposed to be an adaptation of the source material. Yeah. You're supposed to still give me a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I feel like this whole film was just a beginning. And not yeah. in a good way. <laughs> well, and I feel like that's what they did with a lot of these uh, comic book movies in the early 2000s. They wanted it to be a beginning movie because they were they wanted it to succeed they wanted to they want to make money so they're like let's split up this comic book into three four movies and just give them a taste of what the intro is in the intro movie yeah and i mean we could move to the complete opposite with Johnny Storm. Uh, Chris Evans, Johnny Storm is 2005 in a nutshell. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will say one thing I love about these films is just, it's a time capsule of the fashion of the time and the amount of heavy black coats that I just saw <laughs> just casually being worn, button down shirts with collars. Eddie, I was triggered. <laughs> But we had Johnny Storm, your your typical bad boy, riding motorcycles, kissing girls in cars. If you ask me, if you wanted to make him a real bad boy against the system, he should have kissed a boy at some point. <laughs> that would have made him a real rebel. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I found him more annoying than anything else. And... Even he didn't kind of redeem himself at all as a character. He was just, he was an ass in the beginning and he was an ass at the end. Yes. Yeah. He definitely did not like obeying the rules and being a team player. And even during their montage of trying to figure this out, he was just going around playing jokes on the thing so so yeah 
that is his, I guess, rebelness side and wanting to be cool and not part of the team. But yeah, and and I have nothing against rebels. My only problem is a lot of the stuff he did, you could only get away with because when you're attractive. Yeah, it's yeah, you could only get away with when you're attractive. So if he was ugly, we'd be like, this person is trash. Get him off my screen. But it's Chris <laughs> Evans at his, you know, when he was a little baby. Yeah. So at least we had a bunch of like obligatory shirtless shots of him. Yes, I was happy with that. <laughs> was this after Not Another Teen Movie? This was after Not Another Teen Movie. Oh, yeah. That's a great film, Eddie. That is peak yeah. cinema. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, he definitely got a bunch of shirtless shots, but it makes sense because, you know, he's a rebel. He likes to ski and his clothes gets burned off. Speaking of no clothes. Let's move on to Sue Storm, because I'm sorry. There is no need for Jessica Alba to be in her underwear in that bridge scene. <laughs> there was, though. We have to get hit the target audience and get these comic book readers to drool over this hot woman. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just weird. It's like, mm, I mean, yeah, we have Chris Evans shirtless, but we never see his thighs. So he's not showing as much skin as she did when she was wearing her underwear. But yeah, it was just really weird. All I could think of was somebody just wanted film uh, footage of Jessica Alba in her underwear. <laughs> yes. So she's supposed to be really smart as well, but she's just reduced to the object of affection for two men. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if she was the right fit. I don't have anything against Jessica Alba, but I guess this was her like peak of being in a lot of movies and she's she's just a bland actress and Yeah, she was definitely the it girl for a hot minute. But I don't think that it it was that she was like the, not the right fit. I enjoyed, like I said, when I see them all on paper, so the casting, them in costumes, this is 2005. I'm like, oh, cool. They, they look really good. They, they, they look cool. But at the end of the day, it's not like everyone was giving and she was the only one that was like lacking. Yeah, for it, sure. It truly is like this was the performance they wanted from her. Mm -hmm. Because I remember hearing a rumor and I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it, but it deals with the second one where the scene where she's crying and she was, you know, truly trying to act and she was told not to do that, that they can just add tears in post-production. And so it was like that kind of environment on stage mm -hmm. where it knew like it was like we're not trying to this isn't cinema this isn't even camp it's just a movie yeah 
I guess she did what she was told to do, and that's why they didn't go with the third movie. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like you said, it, it's not that I don't think she was the right fit, but, I mean, Scarlett Johansson auditioned for the role as well, so could you imagine? Um, I can. Same thing with Ollie I'm, Larder. She was supposed to be, she also auditioned for the role. But I'm glad... They went with the, they went with Jessica Alba because I feel like some of these wouldn't have gotten the second chance. Chris Evans is probably like, okay, you're hot, you know how to act, you're gonna be Captain America, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance that maybe this would have soured Scarlett Johansson if she would have been Sue Storm. And we would have had Emily Blunt instead. Eddie, there's so many alternative universes out there. It's insane. It is insane. And I hope we get to see them in multiverse of madness. <laughs> you know what? I think that would be like the funniest thing to just start casting actors that went for a role that didn't get it as variants for cameos. If they're never going to get offered a different role. Just have them just play the character they could have for a day. Let them have a Funko. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. So moving on to Ben Grimm as the thing. How did you feel about his whole little story arc? Uh, I was a little, I totally forgot that his fiance leaves him because of his look so i was pretty upset that that happened because he's still the same person inside he's still ben but to have his new love interest be blind kind of <laughs> kind of made it ironic yeah and even like that whole storyline kind of felt a little weird as well but yeah do you think we're over having the hero hating their powers because we had that with x-men as well we had that's like the whole subplot with rogue and so it's like oh that's right it felt like every one of these movies back then had the one character that hated their powers so the story kind of becomes about them. Mm -hmm. And I know they kind of have to do this with ensemble films. It's like, well, who's going to be the focus of the group? So we had Rogue and X-Men. Here was the thing. In Justice League, it was like Cyborg, right? Where like one of the characters kind of has the deeper subplot. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, dude, look at you. Even as a thing, you're really hot. Like they're would be an entire dedicated fan base to him. Like, the thirst would be real, Eddie. <laughs> they, just, they wouldn't just have little action figure toys of him, is all I'm going to say. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, this was more about... This movie definitely centered about him hating his powers and how he looked more than any other 
of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And you know what? I get it. He's the only one that has his appearance change. And I mean, I feel like maybe nowadays a difference would be someone that doesn't hate their powers, but people hate him. So then he starts to second guess himself. But mm-hmm. like straight off the gate, he's like, I'm ugly. I hate myself. My wife just randomly left me after proving myself a hero and I'm yeah. depressed. So moving on to Victor Von Doom and Eddie, I'm just going to say that the, these are all drag names at the end of the day. I'm starting to realize <laughs> that superhero names are just drag names for boys because yeah. Victor Von Doom, Mr. Octavius, like, okay, these are drag names and I'm here for it. <laughs> How did you feel of Julian's performance as Victor Von Doom? Well, I feel like he wasn't to be the main villain and to be known as one of Marvel's best villains. He didn't live up to the hype. He wasn't in the movie, I feel like, yeah. as much. So, Eddie, let, let, me, let me ask you this. We're both non-comic book readers, and we spend an hour and a half with these characters. What are his powers? What are his powers? Uh, electricity. <laughs> right? I was like, um, he's indestructible, and he electrocutes people, and he's a capitalist. That's all I know. <laughs> but, like, that's all they gave us. Like, his motivation yeah. was, you can't do this to me. You know how much I sacrificed. <laughs> and she won't marry me. So that's it. That was literally all we got from him. And I was so mad because there was so much potential. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, his little assistant, his assistant loves him. <laughs> yeah. I could see it in his eyes. I'm like, mm, you're a Mr. Smithers and this is a Mr. Burns. but like you said not only was he not really in the film his part didn't start developing till like way later Mm -hmm. and my favorite part is how do we show that this guy's a villain oh yeah let's just have him randomly kill someone because he was mad yeah and he like shoots that guy with his powers, which okay, are like that was lasers just, now. Okay, that was justified because I would have done the same thing. If some <laughs> if some crusty old man pushed me out of the company and I had these powers, I mean, you want me to be the villain? I can play the villain. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it when he was like, go back to where you came from. And he kills him on the spot. That was... Pretty cool to see. Pretty graphic to see, too, for a superhero movie back in the early 2000s. So Yeah. But, yeah, the only one that really took me out was when he killed the doctor. I was like, huh, I guess. You got to show us you're the bad guy, so you're just going to randomly kill this doctor. (laughs) Because, oh, yeah, I'm going to call the CDC on you, even though there's like four other ones that are running around New York City. Yes. (laughs) And his only motivation was, if I can't have you, nobody can. 
mm-hmm. which really seemed very underwhelming. It did because he did have her and she was continuing to have problems with Mr. Fantastic. So he probably just wanted to show who the bigger person was and try to get rid of him so she can be with him and only him. So I don't know. Yeah, see, it's just, it's really frustrating. And the whole subplot of Sue telling Mr. Fantastic, I need a man that's just not going to sit around and wait. And he's going to take action right now. And it's like, girl, if he hasn't done it now, he's never going to do it. (laughs) These smart boys come into the proactive and the ones that aren't proactive. And you chose just find a new one. (laughs) Yeah. Just go with Victor. He can guarantee your survival. Yep. So let's talk about how they get their names, speaking about drag names. It's always my favorite part because they look really cool in comic books, but when they say them out loud, it's like they're embarrassed. Yeah. We saw that in X-Men with Professor X going, and we call him Cyclops, and she calls herself Storm. And here it's like, um... Yeah, I'm the Human Torch. Uh, that's the Invisible Girl. Uh, sure, the people call him Mr. Fantastic. And here's the thing. And I'm just like, oh, that's right. They had to figure out how they're going to get their names. Yeah. I wouldn't know how how to come up with their names. And obviously, their powers give some of these characters their names. I always thought Mr. Fantastic was like Mr. Stretch for the longest time. (laughs) (laughs) But that wasn't it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, funny thing is, why is The Incredibles the best Fantastic Four movie? Because it's a family of superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason I bring that up is because that movie truly shows how you're able in about an hour and a half to give us four superheroes with their powers who are fighting as a family. They come together and they defeat a really smart techie person. Yeah. And The Incredibles came out before this movie came out. So say they should have just... <laughs> they should have just copied it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and call it the Fantastic Four. There, done story. Yeah, so it's just it's just really frustrating. And I haven't seen the reboot of the film, but from what I've heard, it's not any better. Yeah, same. And I just hate that it wasn't fun. I wasn't having a good time. And I've said this before. We watch Disney Channel original movies for fun. And this was not giving me anything. No. They should not have put this on Disney Plus or released it at all. <laughs> well, I think they're trying to be like, hey, this is what you used to have. 
the mouse is like, you should be grateful with what you have now. We have too much content. Do you want to go back to the dark ages? Yeah. Well, and this was a time where Marvel was broken up into multiple studios and they were trying to not be bankrupt. Yeah. So selling the rights to these characters was the only thing they could do to continue these stories so yeah definitely so let me ask you this what would you like to see in the new fantastic four movie as a non-comic book reader in the new fantastic four movie that marvel studios is developing i want to see I want to see an eternal style Fantastic Four where it deals with family and character development. We already know their powers. We don't need to see whoever plays Sue Storm in her bikini or in her bra invisible. I want to see their struggles and their... and their way they're going to get introduced into the MCU and have it be like the Eternals where it's drama and I am here for it. Nice. What about you? Well, I know that John Watts is going to be directing it, so I feel like it's in good hands. I want to I want to care for these characters for one. Number two, I don't know if we need to see them get their powers, but I kind of feel like we do. But it's one of those things where how many times do we need to see this? Right? I don't know if it's smart for them to introduce maybe one or two characters in a different property before they get their own movie because they can kind of burn off some exposition that way like a character and in- gets introduced to them and we get to know them just like the new characters getting to know them and then when we see them in their own film we're kind of already there like they did with black panther yeah i was just gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> and after s- seeing how they're getting better and better at these ensemble films they can definitely succeed i want to know who they are i want to know their powers because at the end of the day these are super human gods that i'm supposed to look up to i need to know what they do i need to know what they do how they do it and why they do it yeah and well and they kind of did did it with tom holland spider-man 2 in the homecoming trilogy where we didn't get an origin story of him getting his powers we saw it with toby mcguire we saw it with andrew garfield and we didn't get it with tom holland we just know because (laughs) that's how he got his powers we've seen these movies over and over again so they did it First with this one, they tried to reboot it again with the next one. 
And like you said, it'd be a nice introduction to have someone star in another movie as a cameo and slowly ease us into their own solo movie. Yeah. And like I mentioned before, neither of us are comic book readers, but we tend to be in the know. We, you know, we tend to listen to people that are. And if, you know, Reed Richards is supposed to be one of like the top of the top people in the universe. We need to make sure that they they show me that. Yeah. Right. Like if he's supposed to be up there with a Tony Stanks and the Doctor Strangest of the world, I want to see that. And so that's that's all I'm asking. Yeah. And this movie definitely did not give us that. (laughs) Like I would not sit in that table. Like I would not sit in that table with him. I I would date him in secret, but that's that's about it. <laughs> so, who was your favorite character in this great film? Hi, yay! I just want to say the Human Torch, just because it's Chris Evans, <laughs> <laughs> even though his character was very toxic and. One-dimensional? One-dimensional. Like, he was the comedic relief of the movie, and I think that's the thing that got me through it, was seeing the cheesy early 2000 jokes mm-hmm. that he was, he was doing. So, yeah. Probably the human torch. What about you? Um... I think it's just going to have to be, uh, it's a tough one because like you said, Chris Evans was great, but I just had a bigger crush on Dr. Doom. So it's going to have to be Victor Von Doom. He's rich. He's a jerk. I want to, like I said, find yourself someone that's willing to destroy the city because they can't have you. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That is very hard to find. So it's going to have to be Victor Von Doom because there was so much potential there and it was just wasted because I loved him and charmed. And so I know he, he can play a baddie, but they didn't yeah. let him. So what rating would you give this film on a one to five? On a scale of one to five, I'm going to give this movie a two. Okay. Because of how hard it was to get through it i had to watch it two times to (laughs) to be able to not understand what was going on because the story was very simple but just how bad it was to get through it wow you you really put yourself through that you brave man (laughs) what about you Uh, it's so bad i want to give it a zero but i can't so I give it a one. Okay. It's just, mm, I was not having a good time. And it sucks because, I mean, it's us. We are so nice. We give everything like a three. <laughs> like, we always, we find the good in things. Yeah. But you have to keep me entertained. I have, I have the mind of a 10-year-old when I watch a movie. Like, I know how to adjust my expectations, but this one was just like, mm, 
I had so much fun watching the first X-Men. And this one, I was just not having a good time. So, unfortunately, that's what I'm going to give it. There was a lot of potential. I'm sorry if this is someone's favorite film, but it's a one. Well, Eddie, that about wraps this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. So, Eddie, aren't you excited? Because here we thought we had nothing until Multiverse of Madness. And then Disney decides to spring Moon Knight on us at the end of the month. How excited are you? I am so excited and I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready to have my sleep schedule messed up again. <laughs> I know. Which I, they're hyping it up. So I'm very excited that we have, we get to continue being spoiled with all this Marvel content because they're just pushing them out like, hotcakes and I am here for it because everything that we've discussed so far has been chef's kiss yes it has and with that I have been your host Irving and your host Eddie and this has been Discussing Marvel a casual fan podcast thank you so much for tuning in this week please be sure to leave us a review and if you have thank you so much share us with your Marvel loving friends and help us get discovered and join us next time as we discuss the first episode of Moon Knight.